listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Top of the morning to you. How the heck are you on this first Tuesday of February? David Sampson, kind enough to join us on this day and time once again. He of the Nothing Personal podcast, five days a week, 8 a.m. live, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then he tapes it live and airs it like four minutes later on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Follow him on Twitter, David P. Sampson, David, the letter P. Sampson. How are you? I am great. I made it through the freezing cold. You can't relate to that, and I couldn't either until I moved back to the north. But uh, it's something. I missed Florida for the first time in a while this past weekend. I in a while. I'm telling you, David. It's I don't think I could do it anymore. I mean, I go out and the temperatures are in the in the you know high 50s, and I'm running for a jacket. I literally, I, I don't. I have become so soft as a Michigander. I don't think I could live in the North. How? What I'd was like the to adjustment like? You what that indoor activities can be fun, right? If you have a <laughs> ping pong table or some sort of you know, shuffleboard in your house or something. You got to find some way to pass the time. I watched a lot of movies this weekend uh, and passed the time just fine, but you could not go outside. Did you see what was going on in New Hampshire? It was, yeah. you know, negative 108 or yep. something outrageous. It. I was surprised because I lived five years in North Dakota, and usually that extreme weather is only in North Dakota and the upper regions of Minnesota. When I saw it actually in New England, I'm like, oh, this is historic. A little nugget for you is North Dakota is the final of the 50 states that I have not been to. Wow. And it's so funny. We did this last week. I forget what it was, but anyway, 47 for me. Okay. Oregon, Alaska, and Hawaii for me. You've got the best ones left. <laughs> I can, by the way, that should be easy for you to do. You've got the miles, David. I'm telling you that part of it. You've got the miles. I mean, go to Alaska. Take a week off. Give the show to me and Mark for one week and go to Alaska. How could you not do that? Wait a minute. We didn't realize we had you in the bullpen. We didn't realize we had Madison Bumgarner in the fifth inning of game seven. You got to lift up your left hand and press down, point out there, and get over to Alaska. You cannot end this life with three left, two of which are Alaska and Hawaii. It's like an outrage. You do know this show is four hours, right? This is not a 40-minute podcast, okay? This is four hours. Yeah, but I'm sitting here with you for seven minutes before <laughs> our segment starts, so I feel like I'd get breaks in order to use the restroom, so I'm good. No doubt. it's my. Fa it, they go by faster than any break that we have. David Sampson comes on a little early. We chat with David before the segment, and that's my favorite break, and it's always the quickest break. Because it, it, it just, the time, the seven minutes seems to go by in an instant. David, I'm not going to let you get away with saying that it's a four-hour show. Therefore, you're irreplaceable, indispensable, and therefore no, won't no, go no. to Alaska. No, 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 You Please. took that the wrong way. You did take that the wrong way, David. David, believe me, if Miller and Moulton know anything, combined having been fired about 17 times, we know we're replaceable. Hey, it's Super Bowl week. Have you ever been? Yes, the Super Bowl was in Miami. And I would take the Marlins bus to the, uh, we, we got a suite as part. So being the tenant at Pro Player Stadium where the Dolphins were the owner under Wayne Huizinga, one of the things that we had that was a benefit is we had access to a suite during baseball games. Of course, we had to pay for it, but we had that access. But in addition, under our lease, we had access to other events that took place. 
Back then, it was not like it is under Steve Ross. There was no Miami Grand Prix. There was no tennis open. There was like maybe a circus and a tent. But the, the best part is that for the college football championship or the Orange Bowl every year or for the Super Bowl, uh, we have the suite. And I had a bunch of people there when Prince was uh, doing that great halftime show in the rain, as you may recall. And all I kept thinking of is, is he going to get electrocuted? And of course, I was thinking, what impact would that have on the Marlins season? Because we were starting in a couple of months. Would they have to do something? Would they close down the stadium? Like, it wasn't about Prince's family. Wait a minute. Family. He's playing Purple Rain in the rain, and yes. you're worried about opening day, David? I swear to you, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm watching, everyone is rocking out. I feel like we're watching history and all I'm thinking of is, how can we not get a deal done for a roof? And on top of that, are we gonna have any sort of problem come baseball season? Well, that little rainstorm is why the half roof or whatever it is got added because the NFL said to the Dolphins, you don't get another one if basically, unless all our corporate customers are covered, figure it out. Uh, and they got public funding for that, big time. That was a huge, huge deal in Miami where the Dolphins got, you know, the Marlins did not invent public financing. You know, what Stu Sternberg is doing in St. Petersburg, he's not exactly reinventing the wheel. It's been going on for a very long time. And uh, what, what he's doing is working, and I'm very happy for you guys. It's going to work, as, as I think I told you it would all these years. Have we been doing this for years or only months? No. <laughs> Does it seem that long? And he really thinks he wants to do a show for a week when you're gone. I was going to say, this segment is that interminable. He thinks he's done decades. (laughs) I just know you haven't fired me yet. (laughs) And never will. No. Never say never in this business. For no reason, apparently, we need a fill-in. And now now we've got one. David Sampson, Nothing Personal is his daily podcast, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter. David P. Sampson, David the letter P. Sampson. When you watch the week of the Super Bowl, and last night, you know, the media thing is on two networks for crying out loud for someone to ask someone just a, horrible questions for hours. Do you ever? Did you ever in baseball meetings go in and say, "Hey, we need to do this better for the World Series. We need to do. We need to emulate." Was there any? I know they try to steal ideas, but was there was there one thing that football does that you wish you could have done in baseball? You're going to make me say only one thing? Yeah. Well, you can well, give me five. Well, the segment ends in seven minutes. Do you have any idea the amount of hours, days, weeks, months, and years we spend trying to be the NFL? We were so jealous of the media attention they got that we would have different sections of meetings. Hey, what can we do to screw with them during Super Bowl week? And can it work? Can we do some sort of free agency where it's all within a week, where all of the signings have to happen and we'll try to take some news away from football? Or how do we get the media so invested? Should we do a World Series? When the World Series uh, was home field advantage was decided by the All-Star game, you recall that what the story is that there was a tie. Remember Bud Selig with in the Milwaukee. shrug, the yeah. famous shrug in Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Some year, I can't remember what year. And after that... He said, no more ties. We're going to add extra pitchers, and then we're going to make the game count. And there was a new thing called This Game Counts. One of the reasons why that was done was to have a firm idea once the playoffs were started which league was going to have home field advantage so there'd be a better chance to plan. But there was a second step that never happened, and it was the neutral site step. 
the neutral sidestep, which is now being discussed in football, expanding that to the championship games. Don't kid yourself. It's going to happen, in my opinion. Oh. It is the dream of a league to have a neutral site set up because then you can activate. You can activate with your sponsors. The community can activate. Tourists know where they're going, when they can fly in, when the dates are. And it leads to more public money, more economic benefit, and more attention. So all those things are related, which is to say, long way to answer your question, I apologize, occupational hazard. Yes, we spent hours, days, weeks, months, and years trying to figure out how to do what the Super Bowl week is and the NFL does. It truly is amazing what they do. Well, in the pandemic year, obviously, you had to have a neutral site World Series. Now, you couldn't sell tickets to it, obviously, which you know defeats the purpose of having it, right. you know, but... I'm curious when that had to happen, did you think to yourself, because let's face it, the NFL was using the DeMar Hamlin near tragedy, okay, to push forward an idea that they had talked about behind the scenes with the neutral site conference championship games. Was Do you think Major League Baseball was just kind of gauging the interest around the country going, do you think we could actually put the World Series in a neutral site? Boy, in my old days, if I were still president, I would take what you said and I would say, yes, that's exactly what was going on. But now as the host of Nothing Personal, I'd rather tell you the truth, which is all the leagues at that time, what they were doing was trying to get through COVID. Was trying no, to no, no, I know that. Through a season. So no, they I get thinking, that. Yeah, but, they weren't but thinking you... about neutral sites at that point in baseball. Okay, but remember do you think... Texas was the new stadium, David. Yes. That was the first time. What a nightmare for Texas. People don't talk about that enough. Can you imagine working for 10 years to open a ballpark and then you can't have fans? Or Washington Nationals, you win a World Series and you can't defend it with fans and which impacts your revenue. It's just, it was a nightmare. And I remember those days and baseball was trying to just figure that out. We talked a little bit about it in our last segment. The Angelos family has come to an agreement that they're going to quit suing one another. Um, what is the end game here? And and I know we don't have a ton of time here, but what's the end game to this? Do they stay in Baltimore because there's a lease expiring? This is not going to go well, I think, for the city of Baltimore. Well, I think it'll go well for everybody, actually. I think that there will be renovations done to Camden Yards. I think the public has already realized and knows they have to put money into that. The Angelos family is going to sell the Orioles. They will be the next team up for sale. There's no question about that. The concern right now is that the Angels were for sale and Artie Moreno didn't get the price he wants despite all of his protestations about, oh, I love baseball so much and I love Anaheim. He would never call it Anaheim. He says, I love LA, Randy Newman style, but he couldn't get the price he wanted. Uh, the learners right now in Washington can't get the price they want. So there's a concern that the Orioles won't get the price they want because they're fighting over their TV network and all sorts of other issues. All of that said, at the end of the day, Camden Yards is going to again be a jewel. The Orioles will be owned by someone else, and uh, the Angeloses will ride off into the sunset uh, fighting behind the scenes instead of in front of the courts. I hate to bring this up with like 45 seconds of time, but I never understood why baseball wasn't huge in the fantasy community because baseball fantasy was first. And then you had the steroid era and the home runs. I mean, David, I have played more fantasy baseball in home run type fantasy situations than I have fantasy football. And I, I, it shocks me that baseball has been unable to, in the 21st century, be a fantasy haven. Yeah, it's because it's every day. And so when we met with people and we did focus groups, 
you know, fantasy football, people are like, yeah, I deal with my team on Saturdays or maybe Sunday morning in baseball. All of a sudden, I realized that my guy's been out for two weeks and I wasn't even paying attention because the games just happened too much. We were trying to come up with fantasy ways to play fantasy on a weekly basis versus a nightly basis because 162 games for a league, too much for the commissioners of those leagues and the players. He's David Sampson. His daily podcast is Nothing Personal with David Sampson. CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter, David P. Sampson, David the letter P. Sampson. 8 a.m. live, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and shortly after that, it airs live on tape, Tuesdays and Thursdays. David, as always, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. See you soon. Miller and Moulton, next time with David Sampson, we may have to break into that Rush Moving Pictures album that I discovered behind his right shoulder. Yeah. Always looking for something on the great wall of Sampson. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening. Back with more on the other side right here on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. David Sampson was just on the show. If you miss segments like David Sampson, well, that's how you download the show, floridasportsnetwork.com. That's why we got that going on. Alejandro Solana, who's part of the Heat Radio Network, he'll join us Top of the hour, trade deadlines, 3 o'clock on Thursday. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know I get cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over a trade deadline. Mark's been kind enough to pat me on the head and go along with it. So I'm geeked up, and we know Felipe is. And so we got a bunch of teams that think they can win a title this year, so it should be active. Now, you know, we've been wrong before with that reasoning, but we'll see. Well, and... Mark Deeks yesterday on the show, right around this time, said that that yesterday's or the weekend trade of Irving is going to be the biggest trade of the deadline. Well, let's face it. There aren't many people who get traded that would be bigger, but his former teammate would be one. That's right. And we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes as to whether or not KD also said to the Nets again, hey, trade me. Or if the Nets just decide on their own, you know what? Without Kyrie, we ain't going to cut down the Nets, pardon the pun. So why don't we just retool this sucker? I don't even know if you can put a price on Kevin Durant. What is Kevin Durant's worth? Like seven first rounders? I think it's been discussed many times. I believe the answer is Jalen Brown and a couple firsts. I mean, I, I mean that's the obvious one. Not to get too geeky here, but I mean Boston's got two young studs, and the thought is Durant's better than both. So would Boston trade one of the young studs to Brooklyn, who could build around a young stud? Okay, and oh yeah, throw them some of our first round picks. Say we'll give them three, and uh, knock yourself out. I don't think Boston would make that trade. Well, so far they haven't. There are a few people who were talking about it yesterday. So, yeah. You know me, Mark. If I'm Boston, I'm sorry. When's the last time we we won? We're really good, but we're not cutting down the nets. 
2008. Yeah. I believe it's the last time we won, right? Yeah. Okay. We sure we're going to cut down the nets? I mean, don't get me wrong. We will contend every year with the group we have. Absolutely. We will contend every year. I don't want to contend every year. I want to win it. Even if it's only once. <laughs> and then before 08, 1987. Exactly. I mean, this is the Boston Celtics. They've won one championship in 35 years. There shouldn't be a Celtics fan alive that gives the Celtics grief if they go get Kevin Durant. They're going for it. Well, good. They're the Celtics. Well, the only thing is they did make the finals without him last year. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Not only that, look at the area where they reside. Like, Felipe, the Celtics for 30 years didn't have any of the other teams in their area winning titles. Now, during their 35-year drought, if you will, where they've won it once and win the, like, three finals, well, the Red Sox have four World Series. The Patriots have six Super Bowls. Hell, the Bruins have been to three finals and won it once. They got some catching up to do. That's for sure. And not only that, the team they hate more than any other. I mean, you know, off the top of the head here, you want to add up how many Lakers titles since 87? Celtics have won one. And, well, Kobe won five. And then Magic and them won the 88 title after 87. And 2020. Yeah, they won the 88 title against the Pistons. And the 2020. So, So seven. and then the 2020 title. So the Lakers, since 87, in the last 35 years, titles, Lakers 7, Celtics 1. If I'm a Boston fan, I'm just fine if they go get them. Just fine. If it doesn't work out, I'm also fine. That would be monstrous. I would love to see that. I know that would make you freak out, David, because you love anything to get bigger players traded on trade deadlines. Makes one David Moulton a happy guy. Hell, not that. But it's a legitimate conversation. It doesn't, you know, you could hate the NBA. We could do this with the sport of your love, hockey, baseball, football, whatever, in which you have a really good bordering on great young player. But you have an all-time great that's out there who's got three years left. Do you keep knocking on the door with what you have or do you go, listen, come on, if we go get this sucker, we're going to win it at least once. Now, our window is going to be a lot shorter. I mean, we may take a 10-year window and reduce it to three or four, but we will have a parade. I'll put my job on it. And, you know, not that anyone cares, but I think it'd be interesting on the other side as well because Jalen Brown, if he were to get traded to Brooklyn, would proceed to average – 29 points per game. Well, yeah. No, he's a outstanding, bordering on great player. He's a guy you can game. build your team around. Yes. Yes. And if this guy that's this, you know, Cam Brown here who's scoring. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas who's scoring. But, I mean, if he's – but he didn't play with Irving. All of a sudden, he's, he's found a role. You you add a couple players around him with the draft picks. Mm-hmm. Now you've got an interesting team. But I'm not sure Brooklyn's into interesting. I think they're just going to try to, you know, they'll just unload this and start over again. Right. Nice, fresh rebuild. With some young talent. We'll see. Thursday at 3.
The text line is open at 21,000, Anything you want to add to the show there, you can always join us at twitch.tv slash Miller and Moulton. Time now for our Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. That's Clutch with the K. Felipe, what do you have for us today? Seth Everett was a happy man last night because Jesper, his name Jesper Bratt. Sorry, I didn't want to mess it up. Jesper Bratt with the game-winning goal in OT. Devils win. Bratt for Hamilton again. He scored two overtime winners the final week before the break. Hughes, Bratt, right The Devils do it again in overtime. Jesper Bratt with the game winner. I love one-time goals. Just a stupid no-look from Hughes. Whew. This just in, he's pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They're fun to watch. I don't know if they'll get much past the first round of the playoffs just because there's not a lot of experience there, but they are going to be a thorn in someone's side in the postseason. They are fast. They are young. They Such a good skating team. Well, the other thing, Mark, and I know nobody outside of Seth Everett cares about the New Jersey Devils who's listening, but nobody in hockey has cap room. The Devils do. So there's all these teams who would love to trade some of their guys who are expensive, and nobody can take on the contracts. The Devils can. They're a top 10 team in the league, and they could take on like three guys. They have so much cap room. And so you're wondering if you're New Jersey, do you go, I I know we don't have a lot of playoff experience, but we could acquire a lot of it. And we could, I mean, right now it's Rangers-Devils in the first round. And if you're the Devils, I mean, that's a tough goalie to get by. I mean, I think you need, if you're in New Jersey, I think you need reinforcements to get by the Rangers. The Rangers are built for the postseason. The Devils are not. And the NHL wants to keep it that way. Because the (laughs) last thing the NHL wants is the New Jersey Devils getting beyond the first round. It's like the Islanders getting beyond the first round, for crying out loud. It's not good for business. No, they were very happy with the Tampa Bay-New York Rangers conference final. They were very, very happy. Yes. And they'll be happy with a Boston-New York Rangers final this year. Boy, they were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for a Bruins-Rangers conference final. Man, oh, man. So, that's your Clutch Vodka play of the day. Clutch with a K. Go to clutchspirits.com and hashtag your drink with the hashtag Clutch Spirits. Miller and Moulton. The bonus hour is back. Pat Kerwin will be in it today at 9 o'clock. So for those of you along the network, may have to find us on floridasportsnetwork.com to catch Pat Kerwin today or download any of the show at your usual podcast places. Thanks so much for listening right here on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Alejandro Solana, part of the Heat Radio Network, to join us at the top of the hour. 40 minutes from now, a Hall of Famer who could very well be an Olympian will have that story for you. We're going to have more on this story that we're bringing up tomorrow when Andy Staples joins us because he and Bruce Feldman combined to do a story yesterday. Mark, we've been talking about this Jaden Rashada NIL deal with the 
first the Canes and then the Gators and it fell through and and what really happened and was the money real and what have you. Well, Feldman and Staples did the research. They got a hold of the documents and they printed a story yesterday. Have you read the specifics of this deal that fell through? Yeah. Where can I sign? Well, I I, I mean, where can I sign? (laughs) So for those that are wondering, was the deal a legitimate on paper deal? The answer is yes. Here were the terms that the Gator Collective agreed to pay Jaden Rashada However, at the bottom of the contract, it states the collective can, quote, in its sole and absolute discretion, unquote, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation. So that is why it is the Gator Collective that totally backed out of this deal. But listen to this deal. What a deal. And I mean, what a deal. I, you're you're going to be, I think, 90 plus percent of you are going to be blown away by this. It called for a $500,000 upfront payment. That was his signing bonus, if you will. I mean, basically, the that, minute he walked on campus, he was getting a half million. I don't even think it was on campus. I think it was before that, right? Well, that actually would have broke NCAA rules. For To let you know, the half million dollar payment was never made which was indication number one that we've got problems with this deal. But yes, Mark, the half-million-dollar payment was supposed to be made in the first 10 days of December. He obviously was not enrolled in the school and on campus yet. That's against NCAA rules. We think that that's happening in many places because the NCAA, like always – is not even coming close to fulfilling any job with how this is supposed to work. <laughs> Correct. It's a complete – this proves, and I'll let David get to it, this com- proves what a complete and utter free-for-all is going on in college athletics right now. Now, you know, if you want to give the Gators the benefit of the doubt, you could say somebody realized if we give them this half-a-million-dollar check, we're breaking the rules – and that's why they backed out. But most people believe the reason they backed out is that the money fell through. The reason, by the way, you can't give the money because then in theory, what are you using NIL for? To recruit. Yeah. I mean, solely. So what you have to do is you have to get the kid to say yes. He shows up. Okay. You help him move into the dorm and you hand him the check. I mean, that's all. It's just, you know, semantics here. But so half a million up front. After that, he would get monthly as a freshman a quarter of a million dollars. So that's $3 million as a freshman. Then the payments would go as a sophomore to $291,666.66 a month. Was it 67 every third month? Oh, just curious. I think it would have to, right? Just, they gotta, just you curious, know, David. It. It has to end in a zero at right. the end of the year, right? So that's what he would make, a shade under three hundred grand a month as a sophomore. So what are we talking about? 
five million something as a sophomore. Three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a month as a junior. I mean, you know, quick math here. That's, that's like four, four point five, right? Yeah, that's four or five, baby. And then, um, you know, as a senior, he big pay cut. Only one hundred and ninety-five thousand eight hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents monthly. And think about what they're doing. They think he's going to be gone after the third year. Well, there's the potential. But if you're going to so, stick around for that fourth year, we still got a little something-something for you. Right. I mean, you know, hopefully it's enough to stay. It adds up to about $3.5 million. All right. Is that enough for a senior year? Here were the obligations that he had to fulfill. Now right. this, hang on for this, because this young man, between practice, <laughs> academics, and his obligations right. to the Gator Collective was going to be busy. What did the Gator Collective have him doing for that $13-plus million, David? There were four obligations he had to fulfill, Mark. And the first one is grueling. It's a doozy. They insisted that he had to strike up a residence in Gainesville. How dare they? Couldn't live in Ocala. Had to live in Gainesville. You would think between, you know, practice and what have you, he'd need to live in Gainesville. But, no, they insisted, hey, you want our money, you got to be in Gainesville. Uh, okay, I heard Spurrier just built a new nice place. I, I could eat there once a week. Sure. At least one branded Twitter post and one branded Instagram post a month. A month. <laughs> I, I don't we like do that we certainly do that weekly don't we here on miller and molden yes I, yeah i mean if not daily but one branded twitter and one branded instagram post wait for it monthly now i will say i i neglect our instagram account david there is one you're not really aware of it no i use it mostly to put my own food and drink pictures up that's okay. That's branded, though, right? You, it, do you it do is. It is you uh, or us? It's. I believe. What the hell is the name of my Instagram account? I thought I did a Miller and Moulton one. Okay. I don't use it very often, and that's on me, David. I'll get better at branded Instagram uh, posts. Okay. Now here we go. Now they're starting to make demands. Okay. I mean, he's got to live in Gainesville, and he's got to have one Twitter and Instagram post a month. But now, Mark. Now they start making demands. He has to autograph up to 15 pieces of merchandise a year. Oh, the humanity. Not a day, not a week, not a month. A year. Wow, that, that'd take a long time, right? I mean, what do you say? Five minutes? You line them up in front of them? Hey, can we just if get he, this out of the way? If it takes him five minutes to do 13 autographs, he hasn't worked on his game. <laughs> well, you know, 20, I don't know. It takes his time, right. maybe. I, I got mean, you. Knows, you, can actually, you know. It's actually legible. Yeah, you say to come on, you're only going to do 15 of them. Just you know, make sure people can know who it is. And then here we go. Here we go. This is where they start making demands. Up to eight fan engagement events per year. 
Can we define what fan engagement is? Well, I'm glad you asked. That could include either A, an in-person appearance. However, won't last more than two hours. It could include a social media engagement. Once again, nothing longer than two hours. A video conference or interview. So yes, that's right. An interview counts as a fan engagement. Now, I would raise my hand and go, like, if he comes to the podium, like on a Wednesday, does that count or does he actually have to do it separate? It's got, I, I believe it has to be separate. It's got to be for the Gator Collective. Okay, okay. That would be my guess. Remember, 15 autographs a year, a year, eight fan engagement events a year, one branded Twitter t- posting. One branded Instagram posting a month. He's got to live in Gainesville. Add it up, by the way. It's closer to fourteen million than it is thirteen million. Thirteen point eight five, to be exact, David. Just for point of reference for all of you, Kenny Pickett, the first round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, will make fourteen point one million over his first four years. And needless to say, the Steelers have more demands on him than the Gator Collective and the Gator football program was going to have on Jaden Rashada. Now, the other now the, thing that they point out in this article, and we'll get more, is that the money didn't, the ranking didn't equal the money. He was a five-star for a minute. Then he was settled in as a four-star. He went to the Elite 11 camp and was terrible. Everybody said he was the worst quarterback there. He said he was bothered because the word was out about his signing and the whole deal. And it was. I mean, yeah, totally. Now, for the record, he signed with the Canes in the summer. And the word was he signed for $9.5 John Ruiz denies that. But won't go any further because he can't. Right. John Ruiz said I had to sign a confidentiality agreement, but there's n- no, not even close to nine and a half million. But that's not what the Gators obviously believed or claim because the word was when he took nine and a half million from Miami, the Gators had 11 on the table and he chose Miami. Florida kept recruiting him. And kept upping the offer. By the way, he got a $125,000 check from the Canes. He had to return it. Now he's at Arizona State, where by all accounts, his total NIL that he is getting from the Sun Devils is? Bupkis. Zip, zilch, nada. So Rashada, apparently, by the way, the Gators, whenever the deadline was, like December 9th or something like that for the $500,000 check, two days afterwards, the Gator Collective canceled the deal with Rashada. 
but the Gators got on the phone and kept saying, we're going to rework the deal. Don't worry. We're good for it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And the Rashada family believed them. They moved all their stuff to Florida. He went to Orlando in early January for an event. But then, all right, it's like, hey, um, next week is when I have to enroll. Uh, I'm not enrolling unless we have a deal. Do we have a deal? And obviously, the Gator Collective and the Gators never came back with another deal. And so the Rashada family, who had to pay for their move from California to Florida, and they had all their stuff as a family in Florida, they then got up and moved all their stuff back to California. And so it looks like Jaden Rashada and his family, they lost thousands of dollars on this whole saga. The $125,000 check they got from the Canes, they had to return. By the way, that check sounds like that's against the rules, doesn't it? Uh, just a little. Um, and then he got nothing from Florida at the end of the deal. And he moved across country and back on his own dime. So he ends up going to Arizona State, which is where his dad went. And, uh, you know, he's got nothing. And think about it. It's a brand new coach there. Program near the bottom of the Pac-12. The one good thing for him is that the new coach was the offense coordinator at Oregon, and Oregon was on his list of finalists, and apparently this coach was the guy who was really after him at Oregon. So at least he's got an ally. Just no NIL money. No. But there it is. A, do you want to know what happened? Well, it's the Gator end of this deal that fell apart. And I know Gator people don't like to hear that because this will continually be used against you as you recruit other four- and five-star players. We'll say, though, apparently nobody's getting paid to the tune that Jaden Rashada's getting paid. I mean, that's what's implied in this athletic story from Bruce Feldman and Andy Staples. Andy Staples will be on our show tomorrow about this. It's a great read. And it's right there in black and white. How much money in college athletics? Well, there you have it. Miller and Moulton. Trade deadline, NBA, a little over two days away. We'll talk heat next.